Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> Kia ora everybody, I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care, and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. In today's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales, I speak with Reagan about her two birth stories. Reagan is a midwife, and while she was pregnant the first time around, she was studying to be a midwife, so it's interesting to hear things from her perspective. She made some decisions to not do 12-week testing, which is interesting to hear her sort of thoughts around that, and then she takes us through her two planned home births. Reagan had some issues with breastfeeding following both of her births, and she talks us through that as well as using a supplementary nursing system. So if you haven't heard of that before, this is a particularly interesting episode. Reagan also talks us through her feelings of guilt and anxiety when she had her second son, uh, just in regards to not being able to spend as much time with her first. So I think this will be a relatable episode to quite a few of you, and I really hope you enjoy it. Thank you again, Reagan, for taking the time to speak with me on the podcast, and let's jump into the episode. Hi, Reagan. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. No worries. Thank you for having me. No problem. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about you and who's in your family? Uh, yep. So me and my family, we live in Toronga in New Zealand, right next to the beach. So we're pretty lucky. Um, I work as a self-employed LMC midwife and my partner Ben is a fire alarm technician. He's also a volunteer firefighter. So between the two of us, our on-call time is pretty much all the time. <laughs> We have two little boys, Elias is two and a half, and our youngest, Arthur, is eight months today. Yeah, awesome. Very cool. And what was the journey like to pregnancy for you guys the first time? So the first time was a surprise. I had very few periods, even as a teenager, and was actually told that it was highly likely that I would have polycystic ovarian syndrome and would struggle to fall pregnant. My doctor told me that when the time came that I was trying for a baby to go back and see them for official testing, but I wasn't on any contraception or anything like that. So I guess I'm pretty lucky that I did fall pregnant quite easily without the need to try. Yeah. Awesome. And how did you find out that you were pregnant? Did you miss a period or you had sort of other symptoms that gave you an idea? No. Well, like I say, I hardly have any periods I can probably count on my two hands the amount of periods I've had in my life um but I just had a feeling both times I had a feeling and I took a pregnancy test and both times was positive yeah awesome and how were you feeling sort of in your first trimester did you have many uh symptoms like morning sickness or anything else like that no I was really lucky I didn't have any early symptoms and I didn't have 
any morning sickness or I wasn't physically sick or anything. Um, possibly yeah. just a little bit of tiredness, but nothing too major. Yeah, awesome. And what was sort of the rest of your pregnancy experience like? Did you do the standard testing offered in New Zealand and things like that? So with Elias, um, the testing that I did was pretty minimal. I didn't do the 12-week screening test that's offered in New Zealand yeah. to me and to Elias's dad. It just didn't matter. Um, either way, we would we would be glad to have a baby. So we decided not to do that one. We did do a 20-week scan, and with Elias, we found out that we were having a boy. We did the big gender reveal with all our family, so that was quite quite cool. We didn't do the gestational diabetes screening either. Um, for me, I just had no risk factors. I didn't have a family history of gestational diabetes. I hadn't had it before in a previous pregnancy because this was my first pregnancy, and there's a blood test that we do in the initial antenatal bloods called HbA1c. It's like a marker for developing gestational diabetes, and mine was quite low. Um, but if I'd ever had any symptoms, like if my baby was a big baby or if I had sugar in my urine or anything like that, then I would have done it at a later time, yeah. but luckily I didn't. Um, and then with Elias at 34 weeks, um, my midwife thought that he was possibly breech and also quite a small baby. So I did have a scan at that stage and he was head down and they did think he was quite a small baby, but still within a normal range. So I didn't have to have any other scans with him after that. Yeah, cool. And you were studying to be a midwife during this pregnancy, were you? Yeah, I was in my second year of studying to be a midwife. So halfway through when I had him. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And did you do antenatal classes or birth classes or anything like that then? Or did it sort of not feel relevant? I did do them. I think more for um, Elias's dad's sake. And because yeah. I planned to have a home birth, we just wanted a bit more information around how we can be best prepared for that. So we did antenatal classes through the Trust Home Birth Association in Toronga, who unfortunately don't run the classes anymore. Um, but they were they were actually quite good, um, taught us a lot about all our different options surrounding home birth and how we could be prepared for one. Yeah, awesome. And how did you sort of come to the decision on having a home birth? Was it something that you'd always wanted to do or what was the process there? Yeah, well, I think as a midwife or a student midwife at the time, I saw so many different births and so many different outcomes and variations of normal that I didn't really have a plan as such. Um, but I knew that I wanted to stay at home and I had been to a birth in my first year, which really stood out for me. And it was a home birth and beautiful with the dim lights and the aromatherapy and the birthing pool. And I, after I saw that birth, I knew that if I had kids, that would be how I wanted it to go. But at the same time, yeah. I remained really open-minded about transferring if I needed to. There's lots of different reasons and lots of different things that we can't predict. So yeah. it would be okay. Awesome. And how did you go about sort of setting up for your home birth? Did you have to hire a birth pool? And what other things did you need at home? So luckily when I was having Elias, I was actually living with my mum. And she has a huge bathtub, one of those corner hot tub kind of ones. <laughs> So yeah. I didn't have to hire a birthing pool with Elias. He he was born into my mum's bath, which yeah. is quite cool. Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, in terms cool. of other supplies, we just had heaps of towels, um, 
keep the baby clothes, something for the placenta, mm-hmm. and that's it really. Awesome. And do you want to take us through sort of those final few weeks of pregnancy and then into your labor starting and how far along you were and all that sort of stuff? Yeah. So my labor started spontaneously at 41 weeks and six days. Um, I had declined an induction up until that point. I felt very confident that my baby's movements were okay. I felt really well and I knew that my baby was okay. So I was reassured. Um, I did actually have a scan around 41 and a half weeks just to check its growth and the placental function and the fluid volume, which is pretty standard to offer that in New Zealand if you go past 41 and a half weeks. But I felt really calm and really empowered about my birth. I had read the hypnobirthing, the Mongan method book, and that helped me a lot. I think I read it a few times when I was pregnant with Elias, actually, and just really solidifying that I had trust in my body and that my body and my baby knew what they were doing. And so I was happy to kind of just wait. Um, I did have a stretch and sweep that morning. So I'd been having irregular contractions maybe for 24 hours before that morning. Um, They were really manageable. They were annoying enough to kind of wake me up and keep me awake, but not particularly Mm -hmm. painful. So I saw my midwife that morning and had a stretch and sweep and then went home and just went about my day. Um, It was kind of a typical first birth, like a really long latent phase, which kept me awake, but wasn't awful. I remember going home and having some lunch and I watched a movie with my mom. I spent heaps of time bouncing on a Swiss ball and then maybe around five o'clock that evening I established into what we call established labor Um, and at that stage I felt like I needed a bit more help with managing the pain so I I looked to my hypnobirthing book did some hypnobirthing in my room with some aromatherapy and dimmed the lights and spent probably a good two hours just on my own which I quite liked no one else around me not even my mom or Elias's dad yeah. And then maybe around seven o'clock, things were really starting to ramp up. So I hopped in the bath and I called my midwife. When she arrived, I was six to seven centimeters. So the plan was just to stay home and await labor and see what happened. Everything went fine from there. My waters broke maybe at around nine o'clock by themselves. And Elias was born at 10.26. So yeah, in terms of a first baby, I guess my established labor, I was quite lucky. My established labor was only five or six hours, but it was just that long, early labor that's pretty typical. Yeah, awesome. And was he born and then popped straight up onto your chest or what happened from there? Yep, he was. He was placed skin to skin. We had a birth photographer at his birth, so lots of photos. And I had a lot of support people at that birth, so two midwives, as that's a requirement for a home birth. My mom, Elias's dad, I had a friend of mine, my brother was in the house somewhere, so it was a mm-hmm. lot after. It felt quite busy. Yeah. Um, And then obviously the photographer as well. But, yeah, I mean, physically it was all normal. The placenta was delivered normally without any intervention. And I got out of the water shortly after that and just rested on the couch while I tried to feed him. 
Yeah. Awesome. And was he a small baby like they expected? No, he was a 10-pound baby. He was not <laughs> small at all. Yeah, yeah. really cool. interesting. Cool. And did you have any sort of tearing that needed stitching or anything like that? Yeah, I had a second-degree tear that was stitched, and that healed well. Uh, maybe within a week or two, I felt pretty back to normal in terms of that. Yeah, awesome. And how did he go with latching on initially? Initially, he latched really well. Um, yeah, no problems until maybe day five. Like I say, he was a big hungry boy. Um, mm. And at day five, I still hadn't felt like my milk had come in. I wasn't sure why. Um, and he still had meconium poos. So usually we expect by day five with milk coming in that the baby's poos would transition to a different color and a different consistency, but his weren't, which indicated to my midwife that he was probably quite hungry. So from then on, we needed to top him up. Yeah. And were you sort of trying to pump or anything like that at the same time? Or what were you doing there? Yeah. So I tried everything under the sun to increase my milk <laughs> supply. <laughs> you name it, I tried it. I actually yeah. even took a medication called Domperidone, yeah. which is a medication, I think, for nausea, but it has the side effect for some reason of increasing prolactin levels in a in a woman. So it can cause your milk supply to increase, but for me it didn't work at all. Um, yeah, I tried teas, I tried lactation cookies, I tried drinking more water, I tried expressing every hour, just nothing. I would never get more than 40 mils um, when I expressed with Elias. I did feed him using a lactate and a supplemental nursing system. So he was always at the breast. It just wasn't always my milk. Yeah. Initially, he had formula. And then when we realized that top-ups were actually his main food source, I started to give him donor milk, donated breast milk. Yeah, awesome. And how did you go about finding the breast milk for, sort of from donations? I mainly relied on social donated breast milk. I was very lucky that I had a friend that had a baby of a similar age and she had a really good supply. So she donated us milk for probably a good eight months. Oh, awesome. Um, and that was pretty much enough to feed her yeah. baby and mine, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, Such yeah a that gift. is amazing. Incredible. Yeah. Cool. And how were you sort of feeling? I guess um, everyone has a different experience with breastfeeding and, and that whole journey but how were you feeling throughout that experience of having a low supply and sort of trying everything you could to increase it and um yeah maybe not working how was that sort of impact on your mental health yeah I felt pretty emotional after that about our breastfeeding journey and I think for myself having such a good pregnancy and such a good birth like I did expect it to be quite easy um yeah and I guess as a midwife too, I felt a lot of pressure on myself to be to be able to breastfeed so that I, I guess I would have thought things like, if I can't breastfeed, how can I help the woman I look after to breastfeed? Sure. I saw maternal mental health after I had Elias because of it. So it was quite it was quite a big part of our journey and quite emotionally draining. Um I don't know if it particularly helped seeing them and I think mostly I just had to understand that our journey was that way and there would be a reason for it and that I needed to take the pressure off myself 
And I guess now looking back, I can see that as a midwife, it's given me a little bit more empathy towards women who do struggle to breastfeed. And I think if I'd have had an easy journey, easier journey, then maybe I wouldn't have had that outlook for yeah. women that do struggle. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense for sure. And what was sort of your physical recovery like from your birth? Obviously, first birth um, can take a big toll on the body. So, yeah, what was your physical yeah. recovery like? Physically, I didn't find it too bad. I guess it took me probably a good six weeks like it does yeah. with lots of people to feel back to normal. Um, I didn't start exercising maybe for a couple of months. Yeah, I can't I can't remember having any particular concerns or anything like that. Yeah. Awesome. And did you get your period back while you were going through your breastfeeding journey or when did that come back? If it came back. Um so even though I had a low supply, I still breastfed Elias initially before top ups and for comfort and overnight and I never got my period back before I fell pregnant again with Arthur. Um yeah. Elias was still feeding. He was about 15 months old. And one day he decided he didn't want to feed. And mm -hmm. the next day he did the same thing. And maybe a week later I found out I was pregnant. So it all kind of yeah. made sense. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And were you trying for your second pregnancy then? We weren't particularly trying. It was the same thing. Like I hadn't had a period since yeah. having Elias. And I was very aware that I may not ever get one again yeah. with the PCOS, possible PCOS. So we weren't trying, but we weren't being careful. And again, I was pretty lucky. I think we were um, maybe four months of doing that. Yeah, awesome. And you did you just have a sort of feeling again that you were pregnant? Were there any symptoms that sort of started immediately and maybe gave you a sign? Yeah, no, I just had that feeling again. And then when I looked back and realized Elias had stopped feeding, then I took a pregnancy test and it was positive. Awesome. And what was your pregnancy like this time? Was it much different to your first? Not a lot different. Um, again, I was really lucky not to have morning sickness or nausea or vomiting. I was a lot more tired in my second pregnancy, but I also had a 15-month-old to yeah. <laughs> run around after. So that kind of makes sense. And I fell pregnant with him the week before Christmas. So it was nice that we got to tell all our family around Christmas time, but it's a really busy, stressful time of the year, so that probably yeah. didn't help. Yeah. And did you do sort of the standard testing offered this time, or did you take a similar path as your first? No, we we did a similar kind of thing. Um, yeah. When I was pregnant with Arthur, I actually had some bleeding when I was around maybe six weeks pregnant, so I did have an early scan with Arthur, and then nothing after that until the 20 week scan this time we decided to keep the gender a surprise um and then the same thing happened with him at 34 weeks my midwife thought again oh small baby and that he was breech and so I had another scan at 34 weeks um he was head down just like his brother but they were quite worried about his growth I think because I'd had such a big baby before, then it made yeah. it seem like this baby for me was particularly small and they wanted me to have weekly testing, um, which I declined and I wouldn't particularly recommend that to other people, but I felt very confident monitoring his movements and monitoring that he was okay. 
And if I ever felt any concerns, then I'm qualified to listen to the heart rate and that kind of thing, which yeah. for someone in some someone in the community that didn't have that training, I definitely wouldn't recommend it. But I did have that extra level, I guess, of just knowledge that helped sure. me feel like he was safe. Yeah. Awesome. And did you sort of have the same intentions with this birth that you wanted it to be at home and maybe use some hypnobirthing practices? What were your thoughts there? Yep. So we planned a home birth. Um, again, we were in our own house this time, so we did have to hire a pool, which we hired through the Trust Home Birth Association. Yep. I think with my first birth, I felt really calm and open-minded as to anything that could happen. But with my pregnancy with Arthur, I held quite a lot of fear and I think again it was a lot of pressure on myself but it was a lot of fear that my birth wouldn't go as well as it did the first time yeah um so I did a course called the peaceful pregnancy circle which is run by a local doula here in Toronga, and that helped me work through a lot of that as well as giving me more techniques to um, manage breathing and labor and that kind of stuff which was really helpful yeah, yeah. Awesome. Cool. And do you want to take us through your labor starting and how far along you were and what happened this time around? Yep. So this time I was the same, 41 weeks and six days and (laughs) similar story. I declined an induction and the night before I went into labor, I had had a stretch and sweep by my midwife. After the stretch and sweep, nothing happened. And then in the morning, Elias woke up around 7.30. I went to get Elias out and have my first contraction. Um, They were not particularly long at first maybe like 20 seconds but coming pretty fast so I said to Ben to stay home because I knew I wouldn't be able to look after Elias if I was in pain like that all day but I did say I'll probably be a while so if you want to take Elias out to the park or anything you should you should do that um so Ben went out and maybe 10 minutes later I had to call him back (laughs) because they were just getting crazy um, I called my mom around 8.45 and she came over around 9, took Elias for a walk and suggested that I call my midwife because she could see how fast and strong the contractions were coming. I was waiting for Ben to fill up the birthing pool and I had a shower, but I hated the shower. I felt so mm-hmm. sick. And as soon as the pool was maybe knee deep, I was like, I'm just getting in. <laughs> I need to be yeah. in that pool. So I got in at maybe 10 past nine, and as soon as I got in, my waters broke with him, and he was born at 9.16. Yeah. Yeah, it was fast, but it was really intense, Um, and I felt like with his birth, I had less control because it yeah. was happening so quickly. I couldn't find a place where I felt calm, like I was on the bed, I was on the couch, I sat on the toilet, I was in the shower, like until the pool was ready. There was just nowhere that I felt like I could clear my mind of that fear yeah. that I'd had in my pregnancy. Yeah. As soon as the pool was there, then I was totally fine. Um, yeah. There wasn't a midwife at his birth because he just came so quickly. It wasn't until maybe half an hour after he was born that a midwife arrived. <laughs> yeah. And did you sort of bring him straight up on your chest and, and similar thing as your first? Yep, yep, straight on my chest, just let the placenta come naturally. Um, I didn't have any stitches with him, but I think I should have. I didn't heal as well after having Arthur 
it's I did when I had Elias and I I don't know maybe it's because I didn't have stitches or maybe it's because the birth was so quick um or maybe it's because it was my second baby I'm just not sure why um but I saw I just didn't heal as well after having him and when your midwife arrived did she sort of just do all of the normal checks and were you still in the pool or had you hopped out yep I was still in the pool she just left me in the pool until I had birthed the placenta and then I got out and she did all the normal stuff we um tied both boys actually both had mucker ties for their cords yeah and they were both cut by their dads with obsidian which was nice actually I yeah. think my mum might have cut Elias's yeah cool and how were you sort of feeling towards your breastfeeding journey this time around did he lack Sean okay and did you have any sort of thoughts or fears in your mind around this birth, uh, breastfeeding journey sorry that um, came from your first experience yeah, so one of the things I kind of worked with Sophia at the Peaceful Pregnancy Circle about was around that fear of my breastfeeding journey. Um, yeah. And I guess by working with her, I just came to the conclusion that what will be will be and that Elias is, was a totally happy baby. We bonded really well and that if breastfeeding didn't work out this time, it wasn't something that I wanted to stress over again. I felt like the first time when I look back on it, all I can see is my worry about the breastfeeding and I didn't want to have that again I just wanted to enjoy my baby um but it was a little easier breastfeeding Arthur he had a tongue tie which I had we had cut at day four and he exclusively breastfed for maybe four weeks yeah so only on my milk which was so nice to have that four weeks um, just breastfeeding him but then he did he did start on top-ups after that not as much not as much as Elias it was very much a top-up rather than his full feed but he did yeah. need a little bit extra and he started on donor milk straight away awesome and do you want to take us through sort of how you found the adjustment from one to two children I know I get a lot of messages on Instagram from mums who are considering having a second baby so I'd love to hear how you found that experience I think initially I did find it quite not hard, but harder than what I expected it to be. Like I say, Elias was really happy to do stuff with Ben or do stuff with my mom or my sister, um, but I missed doing those things with him. So Elias adjusted really well. Um, he was always quite gentle. That age gap um, is just a week over two years. And I didn't experience any jealousy or anything like that. We did the whole baby got him a toy, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we planned to have him at the birth, but because it was so quick, my mum had arrived, like I said, and she actually took him for a walk because I thought it would be a long time and I didn't want him to be bored. And when he came back, the baby was already born. But I think <laughs> even just being there in the immediate postnatal time, was really special for him. He kind of got a good understanding of what had happened, even though he didn't see the actual birth. Yeah. Um. So I think that helped. And I think sometimes um, mums, especially that I look after, are a little bit fearful of having their child at their birth and how the child will react. But from my experience, it was a really positive thing. Um, and then 
for myself, I guess I just started because I couldn't do the things that I was used to doing with Elias. I started setting time aside to do special things with him, like taking him swimming or taking him to um, gymnastics or tumble time or music groups just once or twice a week. That was just the two of us. Yeah. Awesome. And how have you found the sleep with the two boys? Have they been different with their sleep habits? And how have you sort of made an adjustment so that you've been able to yeah, spend time with, with both? Um, Elias is a really good sleeper, so he wasn't any worry. He, slept, mm-hmm. he still sleeps like 12 hours at night and does a midday nap for a few hours. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a little bit more difficult. <laughs> um, <laughs> and until he was maybe five months old, he was awake all the time. <laughs> yeah. Every hour in the night he would wake up, but he would be yeah. awake for an hour. It wasn't just waking up to reset all. So that was quite hard, um, especially having those hard nights and then having to be present for Elias during the day. We couldn't nap during the day because I had a toddler. Yeah. Um. So just recently within the last month or two we have done some gentle sleep help and just doing things like positive sleep associations and patting him to sleep rather than picking him up and feeding him um yeah and it's going better now um and in terms of the day we just kind of make it work every day is different really yeah yeah, awesome. And I know there's probably a lot of mums out there who are interested in your episode because you are a midwife and you had home births. So I would love to know, um, yeah, some advice or some sort of key tips that you'd give to mums who are considering a home birth and how to find a midwife that might be supportive of that too. Yeah. Um, around New Zealand, well, in Tauranga at least, there's a lot of local groups that meet and it's women that have home births and I think that by word of mouth within that group um, the other mums find midwives that are happy to support them to birth at home and I think just developing that really trusting relationship with your midwife or care provider that you're going to feel safe at home Um, women will not birth unless they feel safe and so no matter where that is for you it's just about having that relationship with your midwife in terms of preparing for a home birth, just having the support people around you that you know will be supportive of that decision. I know for us, my mum at first was a little bit wary of it, but as time went on and we talked about it more and more, she was very, very supportive and open to the idea. So just having people around that I knew were going to be a positive influence within that space and hold that space for me was good. Awesome. And I know one of the questions that I often get on the podcast is if a person isn't sort of bonding well with their midwife or maybe not clicking and getting that relationship that they had hoped for, should they change? Is that something that you would recommend doing as a midwife? Yeah, I would definitely recommend changing if you feel like you're not comfortable or bonding well with your midwife. And it is hard because people always talk about the shortage of midwives, but There'll often be a midwife that has just one space for some reason and if you feel like you're going to click better with someone else then it's it's worth it for me at least. And also from a midwife's point of view, if you're not feeling that you've clicked well with your midwife, your midwife is possibly feeling like that as well. So it just might not be the right midwife for you Um, and it's not a good thing or a bad thing, it's just not the right fit. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, makes sense, right? With all the different personalities out there, we can't expect that every single midwife and person will get along. So yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Reagan, for coming on the podcast and sharing your stories with us. It's been really lovely to hear and I appreciate you taking the time. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to hear your feedback. So either leave a review on the podcast app that you're listening on or head to our Instagram at Kiwi Birth Tales and leave a comment there. If you're interested in sharing your birth tale, then please head to the Instagram page and use the email link to get in touch. Thanks again for listening. I really look forward to sharing the next episode with you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.